Welcome to the Marshall Pruitt Podcast, brought to you by Cooper Tires and the Justice Brothers in our Catching Up With series. Normal formats, about 15 or 20 minutes, nothing super long or in-depth. But when Shay Holbrook and I get a chance to talk about racing, the world, and life in general, well, we tend to go a little bit beyond that format. So hopefully you enjoy two or three Catching Up Withs essentially packed into one. This is Shay's very first time in an open wheel championship competing in the brand new W series. And as we get into here, a little bit of background on Shay. She's definitely known here in the United States as an excellent touring car driver. Also one of the more driven individuals in any paddock. She's not happy to just be a driver. This is a woman who has gone out and continues to find her own sponsors. She's run her own team. She has raced just about everything I can think of now with the W Series and Open Wheel added in. Definitely someone who pushes herself very, very hard and I would think would be an easy, easy form of inspiration for anyone, any age, any gender, any anything. Shea Holbrook definitely qualifies, at least in my book, as a kick-ass individual. Interesting conversation with her here and a lot of honesty on display with someone who is probably the least experienced in open wheel racing among all those in the inaugural W Series season. She readily admits this has been a learning curve session by session and round by round compared to some of the other women who have far more experience who have come in and effectively led the championship and or been around the podium almost every single race very different year for Shay compared to many of the other women chosen the 20 in total also speaks to her goal hopefully to get an invitation back for year two speaks about her goals afterwards possibly as well big ambitions not sure what the future holds for Shay in open wheel but nonetheless I'm very positive she will be a better driver for it knowing that honestly I can't think of any driver who's come out of touring cars, GTs, even prototypes, who hasn't gone and done some open wheel and come back and been stronger in their primary discipline. Altogether, if you haven't heard from Shea before, if you're unfamiliar with Shea, I think you're going to like her. She is every bit of America, as you could imagine. So let's get going with our extended format. A bit of a one-off here with our Catching Up With series. Shea Holbrook on her first season in the W Series, recorded this about a month ago. Unfortunately, a few items at home uh, prevented me from getting this up as quickly as I would like, so she references going into a race that's already taken place. But nonetheless, let's get going with Shea Holbrook on her inaugural participation in the W Series on the Marshall Pruitt Podcast, brought to you by Cooper Tires and the Justice Brothers. Shay, it's so awesome to see where your career is moving and knowing that my first introduction to you was woman doing really cool and kick-ass things in relatively small touring cars to think that you are now driving fairly fast open wheel cars and continuing (laughs) your sports car journey as well just seems like you're in a pretty good place in your career before we get into specifics on this series that series etc how do you feel in terms of where you're at career-wise? Yeah, thanks, Marshall. Um, yeah, th- this this year has kind of taken me by a whirlwind um, in so many positive ways. You know, starting my career in the Pearly World Challenge, SRO America's touring car ranks, um, I feel really grounded me and 
in becoming, you know, the racer that I've become. And, um, I, I certainly miss it, but I'm happy to have, you know, moved on to some of the next steps as, you know, I went into IMSA and was last year racing a full season in Super Trofeo, um, the spec Lamborghini Huracan series, um, and had done fairly well into that. And just when I kind of thought like, you know, okay, well, you know, what, it, what is the next step and, and how do I continue this, you know, passion that I have for this, you know, drug we call racing. <laughs> um, I heard murmurs of an, an all female series that, you know, was to be coming about. And, uh, at the time I didn't, I didn't really think much of it because I just figured, you know, okay, well, this isn't the first time somebody's tried to do this. And, you know, the, the funds to secure behind, you know, an initiative like this is, you know, I mean, I mean, we're talking really big budget. So, you know, I, I just wasn't sure if it was going to come together. And, and when they made the announcement, um, you know, I had my initial reservations about it. And so I did what anybody should do or should have done. And that's think on it, see how it gets, you know, received in, in the industry. And then more importantly, make an inquiry and ask questions. And if you don't know what to ask, at least listen. And I had a few conversations back and forth with the W series and decided that this would be a really good um, move for me and not just for me, but kind of as a collective for women in racing. And um, I'm just very excited to have been able to a have been selected and B go through the qualifications, which were hugely intense, hugely competitive. Um, Being a supporter of women in racing, I hate to say that I was actually very shocked to see how many solid female drivers are out there that are competing at a high level um, and definitely giving me a run for my money. (laughs) Um, But, and then see just to have been able to, you know, make it all the way to the the final qualification in Spain um, where we actually got to drive the F3 Tatis chassis with the W series and high tech whom is supporting all 20 cars in the series uh, to get, you know, to get actually behind the wheel. I don't, come from a a single seater, um, background. Um, as a matter of fact, like the single seater experience I have stems back from Skip Barber days, uh, where I was a young kid and just still trying to, you know, figure things out. I did, um, kind of the regional series, uh, in, in the central Florida area with Skip Barber. And as a matter of fact, some of the guys that I am still racing against today and call good friends and do club racing with, uh, they were my coaches. Um, and then I did do a, when I had my true car partnership, um, true car was involved in the levels of IndyCar and pro Mazda at the time. And, um, we inherently inherited, uh, it's a long story, but cool story. Won't go too, too much into details. We kind of inherited this pro Mazda. That was the, the company car, um, the company, uh, pro Mazda, Mm. um, kind of for, you know, just for, kind of for the shits and giggles of it, I guess. <laughs> um, but we ended up getting this car and although I didn't do much with it, um, Spencer Pickett, a good friend of ours, you know, now Andy car driver, he actually came out once or twice with us and just kind of had us, you know, just run the car a little bit. We weren't as familiar with the single feeder stuff. So he showed us the way and, uh, we wanted to make sure the car was running good. And Spencer, as a matter of fact, I think like 
within three or four laps was within just tenths of what, you know, like a pole lap was there at Sebring. And we kicked him out of the car. And I'm like, okay, dude, like we know the car runs. <laughs> I I want to, I want to run the car. So Spencer helps us out a little. And that's the extent of my open wheel, um, single seater experience and knowledge up until, you know, this test. And so to have been able to you know, do well and, and qualify to be one of the 18 full-time drivers for the W series was, uh, you know, I'm, I'm very proud of it. I, I really, I truly am. I'm, I'm very humble still and I'm very appreciative to have the opportunity, but I'm pretty damn proud of myself to have made it this far. So that's one of the things that I find very interesting, Shay, is that, and this was my, my first thought, uh, when you're, uh, when you were announced, and maybe even going back before that, when you were just a, a part of the group that was narrowed down into the final contenders, it was your background is not one that has been, uh, I've been an open wheel child since day one. This is everything that I know. Therefore, I can climb into these F3 cars and just go right to the front. There was also going to be and will be throughout this season a personal learning curve on top of trying to be competitive and vie for wins as well. What made you accept this challenge knowing that you compared to maybe some of the other women involved in the W series inaugural season aren't having to learn a very different style of racing before you can even consider being competitive? Yeah. I mean, you're absolutely right. I mean, you know, not having the immediate experience to be able to, you know, kind of jump in one of these single seaters and start, start running competitive, um, fast laps from the get go, uh, makes it definitely harder for me. Um, for, you know, the transition, um, and why I wanted to challenge myself was I don't ever like feeling complacent. I don't ever like feeling comfortable at doing something. If I don't have some sense of a little bit of like fear factor, uh, things kind of become stale and boring to me. Um, I want to continue to learn in this industry. And I know that, you know, you know, I'm not a factory driver, so I obviously have more to learn. Right. <laughs> um, and this gate, this would provide not just a, a great opportunity for me to solely focus on the racing versus as well as trying to continuously raise funds to go racing. Um, it would provide resources that I couldn't cultivate on my own, you know, to kind of snapshot like the, the opportunity that, that the W series gives you other than a fully funded, you know, ride in an F3 for a six race season at a highly competitive, um, you know, world stage, you know, alongside DTM in Europe, you know, they provide us with like personal trainers. So hence the performance similar to like a pit fit. A lot of us in the U S here are very uh, familiar with the guys at pit fit. Um, they, they provide us with a training regimen. They stay on top of us. Yes. We're working like remotely. I'm the only one that's traveling to and from the U S. Um, I'm one of the, I'm one of the only ones also that has that type of, you know, long distance jet lag. So speaking of jet lag, they work on, you know, jet lag programs with me and not so much like nutrition because I think everybody's like nutrition need, it's needs to be very tailored. Um, but you know, they do, and they do tap in a little bit to that. They tap into, you know, 
how important it is to have sleep and recovery. Um, you know, we talk a lot about like focusing on like what it, what we need to train to be, to do this job as a racing driver, but also there's a recovery factor to that. The mental side of things, um, which at times, you know, you can have raw talent, but if you don't have the, the mental focus and drive, um, to continue to push yourself and, you know, push yourself beyond those measures of what you think you, you know, are complacent with. Um, they work with us on, on that type of, you know, mental performance and game as well. And then, you know, it's really quite cool because <laughs> I kind of explain it as like, we're kind of like a, like a girl's camp, you know, we all show up, we all show up, um, you know, we all get on a bus from the airport, the air from the airport, we go to the hotel, we have, you know, a day kind of to, or a few hours to kind of like, you know, accumulate, um, uh, actually do not accumulate, but, a, a, you know, what's the word I'm looking for? Acclimate, sorry, acclimate to, um, you know, wherever we are in, in the world, our particular countries and uh, get some rest. And the next morning, all 20 of us, we get back on the bus, we go to the track wow. and it's very regimented our, our schedule throughout the day of what we do. We don't really have a lot of downtime. They provide us with simulator training. Um, of course, you can do things on your own when you're home, but there are simulators actually at the track. There's four simulators just for us so that we can continuously kind of work on our craft. And I do believe in the simulator game because it's taken me a long time to come around to it because I've never been like a gamer. But my belief with simulators are that if you can go to, if you're going to a new track, and in particular, let's say even a new car, if you can learn 50% of what you need prior to actually showing up, that's 50% less you have to work <laughs> on that given race weekend. Um, and, you know, and, and the resources just like they continue. I mean, it's, you know, every single race weekend we have, and this is what makes it hard, um, especially for me, going back to your question of, if, like, how, how are you adapting to this? Um, every single race weekend, we have a new chassis, new chassis number, a new engineer, and a new mechanic. So you're having to build these relationships on the fly. Now, luckily with me, because of my personality, I mean, I kind of already know everybody. <laughs> I've never, from, uh, you're so shy. I'm just amazed so you've been willing to speak in public. Just kidding. <laughs> right. Sometimes I'm a little too outgoing and I, and I tell too much and I talk too much. I know this is also in my, one of my, what I hope is one of my best like features uh, or, you know, uh, of my personality can also be kind of one of the worst. <laughs> yeah, but but uh, keep this in mind. I would say beyond your on-track performance that earned you this opportunity, you bring something that as someone who deals with hundreds and hundreds of drivers every year, I wish more drivers had your personality because they would probably go much farther than they have. Even some at the highest levels where you say you might be fantastic turning a wheel and stepping on pedals but boy, there are other aspects to the game as well that that will advance your career. So uh, I wouldn't I wouldn't censure yourself too much in that regard. Well, I really appreciate that because you know there's as you know better than anybody else that there are the highest of highs and the lowest of low days in this industry, and you know that that you know that opinion of of what you think of me and my personality. 
Um, I very much value and appreciate, and I've always appreciated your, your friendship um, because on the lowest of low days, sometimes that's what you need to get through. And, um, and that's why I build these relationships with, you know, my, the teams that I'm with. And then in the team also that, you know, I ran in Pearly World Challenge, you know, Shea Racing, when we ran up to a four car touring car team for um, several years. I mean, the relationships are so important. Um, so, you know, building those relationships, you know, help you in turn work on, you know, your, you know, we're performance based in this industry. We're racing against the clock um, and you're evaluating constantly yourself with other competitors. Um, and that will help me. They'll help me in that regard. And I think for me, like I certainly underestimated how hard this would be. And I really want anybody listening to this, especially young women and women of all ages, especially racing drivers that are looking to, you know, try their hand and send in their applications to the W series. This is going to sound like kind of rough, but if you think you're ready, you're not (laughs) because I don't want anybody to think I want to tell the truth in that. Like I sort of underestimated just how tough this would be. Um, not just from a performance standpoint, but just kind of knowledge, like overall general knowledge of this particular skill set, you know, this type of Formula 3 racing and, you know, coupling that with going to European tracks that I've never been to. And European tracks are just so different than the tracks here in the United States. Um, and, and then having to, you know, constantly switch different chassis and engineers and mechanics. I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a tremendous opportunity because you're learning, you can take little bits and pieces of things you like and disregard things you don't like from your, your immediate team that weekend and kind of evolve yourself continuously over the season. And that's what I'm trying to do. Um, driving a single seater is so, so different than the touring car world. Um, there are similarities GT to, especially when you're in fast GT cars, um, like the Trofeo, I mean, it's kind of half like proper GT race car and then half like OEM car. Um, but the thing had, you know, 625 horsepower to the wheels. Like it was an unbelievably quick car. And there's a lot of things that I think that I've learned in F3 uh, both in W series and actually in F3 Americas. Cause I've had the shot and the chance at running a couple races, uh, with those guys that transfer well, that transfer to each other and complement each other. Well, like the driving style. Um, but the driving style is just, it's so aggressive. It's so different. You're approaching, especially high, high speed corners differently, the low speed corners, um, which are very technical and, um, you're trying to maximize like the mechanical grip, uh, out of the car versus, you know, the, um, like aero grip out of the car. Um, the, the application to how you do things are just different. And for me, what's, what's also very cool about the W series is they're so transparent in how they're doing it. So after every session on track, FP1, two, quality and race, we have the ability, each driver, to have the same allotment of time with our engineers in the engineering room. And we have the ability to access everybody's data and video. So nothing's a secret. So if Jamie Chadwick, it has just put it on poll and Jamie, I mean, Jamie's a good example of like, you know, I'm sorry, but yes, we expect her to do well. I know she has, 
like uh, expectations that she needs to live up to in a way because, you know, she's been in a single seater for almost her entire life um, with the announcements of her success. You know, yeah, we, we, we expect her to be quick in the car and as she is, I have the ability to go and look at her data and analyze that with my engineer and her video. So I think for me, from an expectation standpoint, um, I mean, I'm just not, I mean, we're not going to sugarcoat this Marshall. Like I, during the, during the final qualifiers, uh, I'm not sure if you recall or read how this kind of shook out, but they kind of changed things. So let's go back a few months, right? Okay. They kind of changed how they were going to announce uh, the 18 drivers going forward and then the two reserve drivers. On the last day of testing, we were all supposed to be driving, but they they had decided that morning or that night prior that there were 12 drivers that they felt comfortable in, in announcing they were going through right then and there. So that morning, they would make the announcement, those 12 drivers would not drive that day, and the remaining drivers would have pretty much a full-blown shootout to, to make the cut. And I knew, based on outright speed, because that's what it came down to, outright speed, um, that I was with the, I was in that 13, 14, 15 range. And I was comfortable and okay with that. And I actually didn't want to make the 12 because I needed more seat time. I needed to, like, learn more, figure out this chassis, push myself beyond what I've thought than what I thought I could be capable of sure. and, and just honker down and do this damn thing. And so, and which I did, um, the first session back out, I was fastest, uh, fastest on track. Also shunted the car off track though. Um, had a, had a discussion with W series management and, um, I appreciate the fact, even though it was so blunt, um, I work well with a very like, you know, kind of military style, communication at the track. Um, just tell me what I need to do and I'll do it. <laughs> tell me what not to do and I won't do that. Uh, they told me like, okay, we get it. You're fast, uh, but you got to stay on track and you have to find a comfortable pace and run with that. You know, you, you, we don't want to see, you know, one fast laugh and then another laugh that's, you know, seven tenths off from that laugh. You're like, you've got to find a comfortable pace and run. So the next two sessions out, um, I was within the top three and I ran a comfortable pace and I felt really just gosh darn good with my performance. So I knew that when they made the announcements, um, I mean, in my head, I'm thinking like I've made it because I did what they asked. I stayed within the top three. I've got to be in the like, you know, 13, 14, 15th range of outright speed in this call it competition to get into the W series. And they announced my name last, which when I was, when there was only one seat available and I'm looking at one seat and everybody out there's, everybody's made it, you know, the, the 17 have made it. There's one seat available. And I'm just now kind of feeling defeated because I just didn't think they would call my name last, but luckily they called my name. Um, you know, an outpour of emotions and I made the thing. And so now moving into the series, we're halfway through and I'm a little disappointed with myself and I'm struggling with, I think the, the mental side of how having to cope with that. Um, and, and again, I mean, I shouldn't even be really talking to you guys about this, but at the same time, it's like therapeutic for me. Um, but 
I haven't, you know, Hawk and Hind, the first race was just like a crap weekend. It was, as a matter of fact, it was probably in the top three worst race weekends of my career. Wow. Um, the, I'm not trying to make excuses, but you know, the weather was really difficult. It was freezing cold temperatures, pouring down rain, damp track, dry track. I mean, every time we went out, the track conditions couldn't have been more different and a track that I had never been to. Um, I, I think looking back in hindsight, you know, I was probably more nervous than I wanted to admit. And I just didn't adapt well. Uh, and I was very disappointed with my performance. And, and that honestly showed because my result wasn't very good. Going into Zolder, a great, you know, a more consistent weekend when it comes to track conditions. Um, the first, you know, the, the first three laps on track, I remember cracking a, a huge smile in my helmet being like, holy crap, this is an awesome track. This is like a pre-lawyered <laughs> up track. It's hugely ballsy. There's not a lot of runoff. It's got great flow. It has every anything and everything that I could pick that I like of any track that I've been to, Zolder has it. So I, my attitude was just positive, and I had a pretty good performance that weekend, finishing 12th. That's my highest uh, current finishing in the series. And, uh, and I wasn't, and we weren't far off the pace. I think actually even the, the field as a whole, I think we were all within a second, which was the closest that we've been. I mean, and granted, I mean, you know, you think, oh, a second, that kind of seems far and in between, but it's really not when you have different walks of, uh, skill, you know, skill sets, um, within the, within the competition. And then moving into the next race weekend, uh, that just passed Mizano in Italy, um, kind of, you know, kind of struggled that weekend again. Uh, we had a, a, just a small mechanical thing going on with the car. Um, and these things happen. And this is, this is a good reason as to why we switch chassis. Cause people ask that. And I'm like, well, you know, it's one, it's one team that servicing, that is servicing all, all the cars and some cars, even though everything is spec, I mean, you and I know this, like, some motors are better than others for whatever reason. Some chassis just feel better and, you know, work better for other, for various reasons, you know? And so at this, this track, we didn't find the issue really until the race weekend. And I do think that limited us a little bit, but it's not the sole reason why, again, I didn't have the performance that I wanted. Um, and that's, that was the weekend that I kind of realized you know, I have, I have the skills. Um, I'm learning enough to where, you know, I should still be, I should, I should be around, you know, the ninth to 13th place area. That's where I live right now in this whole series and to be finishing qualifying and finishing below that, uh, there's gotta be more going on than just, you know, wh what it takes to, to turn the wheel and to push the pedals. <laughs> There's gotta be something happening up, up top in the brain. That's just not clicking. And, uh, and that's kind of where I'm at right now. So it's definitely very difficult. Um, and I am having a blast at doing this, but there's still some things I need to work on because I know that there's a lot more to give than, than currently what I'm putting down on paper. And, uh, and I want to see that happen for myself first and foremost. It's a gentleman by the name of Simon Pagano, who <laughs> just a little under a month ago won the Indianapolis 500. 
Uh, yeah, it sounds familiar. Yeah, some some French <laughs> he's, guy. He's a Frenchie. Yeah, yeah, some okay. French guy. And just a couple of years ago, won his first IndyCar championship, and he readily says that getting the best out of himself has nothing to do with hours spent in the gym. It's working with a mental coach, someone that helps him to decode the things about himself that might distract his mind, that might have him operating at less than the best version of himself. And this is the person who just drank the milk at the Indy 500 (laughs) and will be remembered in perpetuity for this achievement. So even when we have the sport's best, just know, Shay, that they, uh, many drivers, his teammate Will Powers, another one, I could name plenty of others, but there are some who folks know worldwide as champions and heroes, etc., and they will tell you, yep, the biggest fight I have during a race weekend is between my ears. It's not with my hands. It's not with my feet. It's not with my eyes. It is connecting everything that needs to connect. So the, the, the takeaway, again, is just, affirmation that everything you were talking about and everything that you uh, are experiencing it's a hundred percent normal what isn't normal though and i appreciate this about you and simon and and a few others is a willingness to say it Uh, i would imagine the numbers are much higher of drivers who sit you know sit in the the motor coach or sit in their car or whatever going man why didn't i do this why am i doing that and just aren't willing to let those around them know that okay there's a mental game that is largely unspoken but boy it's actually has a lot more to do with your performance than uh, aggression or or just raw talent right and you know i'm glad that you you bring simon up because um uh simon and i you know kind of know each other from you know just kind of passing in paddocks and and whatnot and uh you know, I should reach out to him in a way, you know, I'm working with, working with a couple buddies, um, you know, helping me through this and, and talking about it certainly is a good one, but you gotta, you gotta act on it, right. You gotta find solutions. You gotta find what, what works for you and what doesn't work for you. And I'd be very curious to kind of hear more, you know, if Simon was willing to, to share this with me, um, a little bit more in depth with, with, uh, things that he finds to be, you know, successful for him, uh, thought process wise on race weekends and, and prior. I'll just threaten to sit on him if he doesn't. So one way or the other, we're going to make that happen. <laughs> Very good. Very so, good. <laughs> so let's talk, Shay, about the impact that you have seen and felt now that we are just a little bit past the halfway point of this first W Series uh, championship run. What have you seen and felt while traveling to Italy and Belgium and otherwise Germany to compete in terms of reception from fans? I'm hoping you and the other women in the series are being mobbed by little girls and little boys, but <laughs> mobbed by those who want to be future Shays and otherwise. Tell us about the reception to this on the ground. Yeah, I think for one, the fans have been just absolutely phenomenal. I mean, I think everybody was a little like curious to see how well people would take onto this. And I think the fans for, for, from the inception of it, especially us showing up to the track for the first time have really taken on to the W series and what it is and what it stands for. And, um, and seeing like serious competition on track. 
Um, I think they're pleasantly surprised. I think the W Series management does a really good job of helping integrate, you know, fans and and supporters into kind of that family feel that I feel in the W Series. Um, I think what's really interesting is, so DTM, obviously, and so DTM is just like, I can't even believe that. First of all, I thought, if you would ask me this 10 years ago, and you and you said, Shay, what, what is the pinnacle for you? I would say DTM. I still would say DTM. Um, and if you were to ask me, you know, like, what would it be like to see one of these cars? Okay, now that I've seen them in the flesh and I'm racing alongside DTM on a race weekend is just like a dream come true. I mean, it's just so cool. But DTM allowed us, right? Like they opened up arms to partnering with the W Series on these race weekends, which is just phenomenal because they have a great schedule. They have a great fan fan base and great television coverage, the whole nine yards. Um, I think they were you know, they were curious, right? They're like, okay, let's see how all this kind of works out and plays out with the W series. Let's see what the competition's like. Well, I can tell you that in Mizano, when they invited us to a kind of like a quote unquote after party, um, and they actually said, and we're speaking directly to us as drivers that they're hugely supportive. They're astonished by just how good the races are and the reception that, the perception that they get feedback through, you know, the fans and, and how well it's taken, what taken off online um, is, is really positive. So I think that is a true Testament. If DTM is supporting it and they're the pinnacle, one of the pinnacles of all sports car racing in the world, you know, that just speaks volumes. Um, and then you know, I think too, like here in the States, I think maybe we're just like a, a little bit slow to come to terms on all of this just because we're not racing in the States currently. Um, I think what I want to believe and what I do truly think is that now that it's come into full effect, I think people, I think the naysayers are starting to kind of change their mind. <laughs> I think they're starting to see that this is a, a really cool opportunity for, for women in racing. Um, you know, the, the, the resources that are put behind this are, you know, you just, you just can't make this stuff up. You just can't, you know, you just, you just can't cultivate these things on your own. I mean, it takes, it takes an army, which there is like an army, you know, within the W series, um, that's making all this possible. And the, the young people at the track, it's just so amazing. So how we do these, like, you know, you know, go to grid, um, procedures is so there's there's a lot of manpower but there's not a lot of manpower and what i mean by that is race car drivers have to legitimately push their race cars to grid <laughs> we have to help the mechanic this. the mechanic and the engineer we have to uh, help them in pushing our cars to grid and it's one of my the like grid has always been one of my my favorite parts of a race weekend because that's when the fans can really get like super hands on with drivers and cars and get their pictures in and you can have conversations and you see the the joy and the emotion come out of these people and it's so fun that like they can share that with you and you can share that with them and at a W series race weekend you've got all these really beautiful F3 liveries just showing up you know, 20 car, 18 to 20 cars on grid. And we're, and all the drivers are there in their race suits, pushing these cars with their engineers and mechanics. And 
in particular, the little girls and the little boys that just like light up the room, light up the track with their smiles and just like giddiness and, you know, holy crap. Cause I mean, they're looking at us and they're like, Oh my God, it's formula one. <laughs> you know, I mean, that's, <laughs> probably, <laughs> that's probably what they're thinking. It, it reminds me of like a, what it's like to be a kid and, and kind of wanting to continue being a kid because this sport is what I also, what I love about this sport is it allows you to like keep your youth, you know, because it allows you to, you know, you know, age is just a number, right. But it allows you to, you know, access kind of those endorphins in your body and, and, and it is very childish. It's like very kid-like. Um, and to, and to see, to feel what I'm feeling, but to see it on a little kid's face is just like the cherry on top for the race weekend. And so I think it's been received very well. Close on a couple of topics, Shay, as I mentioned in my opening before we started was definitely, and have been very skeptical of the W series, just in the context of the mindset that Iron sharpens iron, steel sharpens steel, take whatever blade-like metaphor. And for the best drivers to be developed, they need to be competing against the best drivers. I don't think anyone would say that the entire allotment of women chosen for this inaugural season are the best drivers, period. There's a lot of drivers with great potential to develop, but that also means that there are some who might not be able to enhance or enrich you while you're trying to learn open wheel racing and vice versa. It definitely seems though, that as the season has gained momentum from what you are saying and what you are sharing with us, that regardless of whether we have future formula one world champions in the group or not, there is indeed enough overall talent that whether you're racing for first or 15th, there is quality throughout this W series paddock. Do you see that as really being something to maybe push back on those like myself, who was very skeptical of this from the outset? Yeah, I do think that um, we can now factually like back that up being that we're halfway through the season and we have some, you know, we have a proven track track record that we're establishing. Um, you're absolutely right. I mean, you know, their, their goal, their ultimate goal is to field a female into formula one. And now the step isn't W series straight to formula one, right? I mean, there's a step or two in between that, but I think that the series will find and grow a future female racer into formula one. I think that the series will field and grow, uh, an up and coming, Lamar winner, female Lamar winner, if not female Lamar team, I think that the the sky is the limit and everything in between. And, you know, I, one of the questions, you know, pre pre qualifiers that the W series asked, I would think all of us, but at least me was, you know, where do you see yourself? Where do you want to be? And you would think to yourself like, okay, well, the right answer is probably Formula One. Like I should probably say Formula One, but let's be honest, y'all. I'm not going to Formula One. <laughs> like I'm too old. I don't have the background. I don't have the skill set right now. 
And it's just a lofty goal. And it's okay that, you know, it's lofty. Yeah. And it's okay to kind of outwardly admit, like, that's not my goal set. If I have a goal set to stay in a single seater, you bet your bottom dollar, it would be IndyCar. I mean, IndyCar provides great opportunity here in the States. It is one of the pinnacles of motorsports in the United States. Um, I'd love, I'd love to see myself racing oval tracks and road courses and even up to the Indianapolis 500. I think that, I think it's obtainable. Um, I don't think it's like, I don't think it's a lofty goal. I do think it's obtainable with the right attitude and resources and business plan and, you know, motive and intention to get, to get me there. And will I get there? I don't know. Um, you know, will I get to Lamar? I don't, I don't know. <laughs> like, will I become a, a, you know, a GT class champion in MSO or, or world challenge? I'm sorry. Not, I keep, I'm so old school. It's SRO a world challenge. America's. Just call it world challenge. <laughs> Shay. Uh, look, my home track is Sears point, uh, in Laguna Seca. It's not whomever is branded it this time around. So we're all good. <laughs> right. There. <laughs> right. Um, so, you know, to have like an ultimate goal, and not be able to give you a direct answer because frankly, for me, it can change every other year, depending on what the opportunities bring. Um, I don't think that should, I don't think that should give the perception of like, well, she's not focused because I am one of the most focused, most determined people in this paddock. And I know it and I can prove it and I could back it up because I am truly just the girl next door who had a dream, figured out a way to, to get the ball rolling, and 11 years later, with no, you know, finance, no, fam- no family financing, no, uh, you know, my, de- my, my parents weren't, I don't have like a, uh, like a historical background in this. 11 years later, I'm still here. And, and I am proud of that. And I do at times wish like I had succeeded a little bit more like, like my success would have been faster. Like I wish I was in GTs like, you know, five years ago, but that's just not the, the cards that I was dealt. Um, you know, so the sky's the limit and to put, to put like oh, any limitation on myself, I don't, you know, I don't thrive in, um, you know, to put, you know, an end goal, like this is where I want to be and that, and that, and that's that I don't think is smart for me because, as I just said, like year by year opportunities provide, you know, different channels and different um, roads and paths to go down in this industry. And then that might look like touring car. That might look like GT. That might look like W series, et cetera. Um, but I certainly think that for the people that are kind of wondering like, okay, well, you know, what is the next step for, for the women currently of W series? I think that there's within the top three, whoever of whomever however this ends ends up in the championship i think those top three should be able to showcase their talent and move on to maybe the next step in their phase and career and whatever that might look like for the rest of us i certainly and and i say the rest of us because i think it's unlikely at this at this point in time that i would you know be able to finish in the, the top three but for the rest of us, I would say my, my goal would be to continue in the W series. I want another year at it. I'm a big believer in like, you got to give two years at anything to be hugely successful or to find any kind of success. Um, I just think, you know, these racing seasons, they go by so quickly that when one season goes by, you're kind of like, 
gosh, I wish it was just a couple months longer because I had, I had more to give. And so I think for me, like a two year program in the W series would be great. So that's what would my focus would be, but I got to live in the now. I can't really focus on the future. And, um, and I, and I do, I think that it's, it's just, it's quality racing. There's quality drivers, uh, within the series. And, um, you know, what's kind of cool too is in formula car and they talk about this, how, you know, in formula car racing, especially if you watch like formula one, that it's just the top, you know, three kind of stay in the top three every single race weekend. And it's because outright qualifying speed. And then it's so hard to pass in these cars. And I'm starting to actually realize that like, it is much easier to set up passes and maneuvers in a bodied car, like a GT or a, or a touring car or GT four than it is in a single seater. And so much of it has to do with like turbulence of air. And I'm learning a lot of that because you don't really have, yeah, of course there's a draft in like Trofeo, but there's not a lot of like turbulent air that you're working with and, you know, taking, you know, you see these, you see these formula car drivers and they're, they're constantly actually the Indianapolis 500 when, when Pagano was going back and forth, back and forth on that front straight, you know, they're not, he's not doing that to, he's not doing that to, I was going to say another word. I can't say that word on your show. That would be terrible. You can say whatever you want. Um, I mean, we're adults here. He's not doing that to dick around with the guy, right? Like he's doing it because he's trying to take air off of his wing and he's trying to put him, he's driving the car behind him by what he's doing. Yep. And it's so, you know, I didn't, of course I paid attention to that, you know, these past several years of being around IndyCar and enjoying and watching IndyCar, but now I really get it. And, um, it's, it's cool to see on these W series weekends, how the top 10 really change a lot. You know, it's not just that, you know, like an Alice Powell and a Jamie Chadwick and a Biska Visker are the top three. I mean, it, it kind of intertwines, like some are quick, sometimes they're quicker, sometimes they're slower. And a lot of that's track dependent and, um, and whether you, you can pass at a track or not, you know, we're going, the next track is a uh, North ring in Germany. And I'm looking at this track and saying to myself, like, Holy crap, qualifying is going to be important. And the precision on breaks is what it's What will make or break, you know, your race. And, uh, and so it's, it's cool to see how all of it, you know, develops. And, and I do, I, I hope that, I hope that this continues. And I hope that, you know, people realize that from the top of the sheet to the bottom of the sheet, every single one of these drivers like earn the right to be there, deserve the right to be there and deserve the chance to, you know, really turn somebody on to like, they're good. They're not just good, but they're like very, they're quality drivers. They, they think through and they, they, they think through things. And I think that's kind of a, a cool thing about female drivers versus like male drivers. I do see some differences and I see a lot of positive differences within a female mindset than I do at times, even a male mindset. That is so awesome. Well, let's, I think so. Let's wrap on, (laughs) let's wrap on this. So your background, which is just, I love it because it's the best. Hey, Shay, what are you doing this season? I'm going 8,000 miles an hour in a straight line because drag racing is the opportunity that's here. Uh, Hey, I'm going to be in this crazy Lamborghini that's got a crazy horsepower. Now I'm going to be in something with 100 horsepower. I mean, the diversity of your background speaks to the fact that you are a racer, period. If it has 
four wheels, three, however many wheels, if it is something you can strap into and compete with, you're going to be there. This W Series opportunity I have loved for you looking at the progression you've made in qualifying through three, four races so far. You're the gap in qualifying to a Jamie or similar somewhere in the two second or so range. That's pretty amazing. Genuinely, I'm not blowing smoke, but that's pretty amazing for someone in their first season of open wheel racing. As you mentioned, you'd love to get another shot at this, come back for a year two, and that's what I'd like to close on. So with the structure of the series, a little bit fascinating in that it is six rounds spread over four months. It's a very compact thing. This, when the final race is over, uh, I believe the weekend of August 10th and 11th, you in theory are going to have a lot of time during the off season to train, hopefully do, I don't know if the old uh, True Car Pro Mazda is still ready to be fired <laughs> up or not, but if we assume or hope that you will get a chance to come back and participate in season two, what do you have in mind? What plans are you crafting to say, hey, I am actually going to have a lot of time in theory between the end of season one and start of season two to prepare myself even more privately? Okay, so I guess this is a good time to talk about it. <laughs> um, I'm not a hundred. I might even get. I might even be shooting myself in the foot here and getting myself into some trouble. But we'll uh, it will go with the you know I'll say sorry later, right? Um, so I, I you're just hitting the nail on the head with everything that you just said. I mean, I'm a true competitor at heart. I'll drive anything that is competitive and fun and has four wheels, probably not two wheels, but four wheels. And, um, I, I'm just, yeah, I'm just a true competitor at heart. I love getting the best out of myself and, um, I love the competition that motorsport brings. Um, so any, any opportunity to, to be competitive and to, you know, perfect my craft and, you know, put more tools in the toolbox, so to speak, uh, yeah, sign me up for it. Um, to answer your question of like, how do I prepare or like what's next for me or I'm going to have, you know, all these months off in between, you know, W series gears up again. Um, yeah, I, I think it would be very smart of me to stay in a single seater for as much as I can, for as long as I can. Um, not to say that I wouldn't, you know, partake in other, other types of racing. Um, as a matter of fact, like this past weekend with, um, shift up now, I was in a, a 911, uh, GT3 cup car. So that was super fun to get back into, you know, something that's got a little body roll. Right. <laughs> um, but I have very much enjoyed my time in formula three Americas. Uh, I had the opportunity to join them at the season opener at Barber alongside IndyCar. Um, learned a lot that race weekend. Uh, ironically, although it's a formula three, uh, spec chassis, the cars from formula three us, um, America's to W series formula three are actually quite different. Night and day. Uh, d- yeah. Night and day difference. <laughs> um, different chassis, different motor package, different power to weight ratio, uh, just a lot of differences. Um, but inherently the, the way in the application of driving the car is essentially the same. So I was very fortunate to dr- to join them for the first, uh, race weekend, um, moving in even into the opportunity extended to the second race weekend at, um, road Atlanta, where actually we qualified and competed 
very well. Um, just shy of a podium spot. Actually, no, I did win a podium. What am I talking about? <laughs> <laughs> I was on. <laughs> you got to talk to a PR person. Yeah, yeah, you're talking to. Her. I know. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, like got on podium that race weekend, and it's provided me with um, a great way to continue per- perfecting my craft, or you know, trying to perfect perfect my craft. And um, it's cool as well because I have such like a a long you know, heritage and relationship over the, my career with Honda. So to be back like powered by Honda in, you know, Formula Three Americas is cool. So I'm saying all of this and blabbering too much only to say that I am not at pit race with them this weekend because I had a prior commitment. Um, but I think I am for sure, uh, running the rest of the season with them. So I will do the last three races of the season. That will be Road America with NASCAR, um, VIR, and closing out at Sebring. And I'm so excited to get back to Sebring because Sebring being pretty much like one of my home tracks, I never raced there. And I haven't had the opportunity to get back to Sebring other than doing some like, you know, chin H, you know, high performance track days. Um, so I will be, so after the W series ends, there are two formula three America races that, um, I'll be back for, and that will help keep me in the seat. And I'm very thankful for the opportunity with SECA and my partners, um, and my long, my long-term partners. And I think like, it's so important for me to mention these guys because, and not in like the promotional aspect that, most of us as race racers do like, thank you so much to Lucas oil, Bubba burger, cool shirt systems, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, like Bubba burger, it has been such a long-term fantastic affiliate of mine. And a lot of people don't like know the story of like how I came about. Cause I get questions like, you know, they think I'm the sponsorship queen and I'm really not. <laughs> um, but I've worked very hard and diligently to obtain some, you know, great relationships and partnerships that have accumulated in, you know, money for me to go racing and, sure. you know, money spent so that they can utilize motorsports to, you know, better, you know, brand market themselves. But the Bubba Burger deal came together. It was four years, four years of me knocking on the door, you know, trying to build a relationship, built the relationship you know, started at like a very, a small, you know, level in the scheme of things. And it grew into this great flourishing, flourishing partnership. And, um, I just don't think people understand like the blood, sweat and tears that can go into something like this. So when people ask me like, you know, Hey, can you make introductions to so-and-so partner? I'm like, Hey, no, (laughs) (laughs) because I'm not just going to give, hand it over to you because I had to work so hard for it. Um, you know, Lucas Oil is a cool story too because Lucas Oil actually initially started with a relationship at with at and with K and N air filters. And I was at PRI and any new any especially any young driver um or just a new driver looking to grow their brand and make relationships, you gotta get yourself, if you haven't already, to performance racing industry. Um, it's an annual convention currently happening in Indianapolis. Um, sometimes it changes, but it really should stay in Indianapolis. I think even though the weather's crap during that December time of year, um, because it's such a great way to like make these, to build these relationships. And that's how K&N then introduced me to Lucas Oil and Lucas Oil again, who has been a partner of mine for, I guess, seven, eight years now. And each year it just gets better and better and better. And with Lucas Oil, it's not so much about like putting the sticker on the car. It's about living and breathing the brands. 
You know, it's about like integrating them into your daily lifestyle and any brand that you're representing or want to represent, it should just be an easy fit. It should just be something simple that you truly authentically can believe in and, and it comes off and it comes off very authentic that way. And then like cool shirt systems, again, another longtime partner of mine. Um, and I, gosh, you know what? I can't, I guess it was probably at pure eye as well that that relationship started to flourish. And so these guys have all like, kept me guys and gals that's a general term right these companies have kept me in the industry that i'm very passionate about but you know my job from a day-to-day basis yes is to train and to not just train my body but and train my mind and focus on being a racing driver because i can't represent these guys well if i'm not doing my due diligence to be able to perform to to deliver the results so i can put them at the top of the charts right like i want to i want them i want to win with them i want to win for them Um, but so much of my day-to-day work is just my deliverables to my partners, continuing to build the relationships, cultivating new relationships. And, you know, then of course, like racing right now doesn't really pay my bills. Okay. There's not that many race car drivers that I hate to break it to you guys, but there's not that many race car drivers that say, yes, I get in a race car. I turn the wheel left and right and I get paid to do it. Right. Um, so we all have to, at times we have to pick up coaching gigs or, you know, in my, in my particular situation, I do a lot of um, manufacturer events. Like I work with Mercedes AMG, I work with Jaguar and various other brands um, to kind of keep my bills paid and my life going. And it's just, it keeps me in the industry that I so love. And um, this industry has given me so much. So for me to, to pay back in some way, shape and form is a uh, kind of the way I paint it forward. And, that's why I keep doing what I'm doing. Well, amen to that. How can right. did those... Just, did we just go to church? I think we just went to church. We've been there the entire time, Shay. That's the uh, that's a little secret we don't tell folks. Uh, for those who maybe weren't familiar with the Shay Holbrook experience but uh, have come to this year possibly through the W Series, or maybe those who have been fans of yours for many years, give folks an idea where they can follow you, keep track of what you are doing, etc., because... Hopefully, as you said, there'll be more than one year of an opportunity here and the things that you want to achieve and aspire towards can become closer to reality. Yeah, I yeah, I would love to keep in contact with everybody. And if anybody's listening that, you know, isn't as familiar, well, now you are, especially if you've listened to the whole show here. <laughs> um, but I'm, I'm very active on social media and it's a great way for me to you know, promote myself, but also just like be open about things. And like, for instance, last night, I was kind of making what was quite honestly a little bit of a joke, you know, Hey, I never post pictures and videos of me in the gym. It doesn't mean just because I don't post pictures that I'm not working my butt off. Do you guys want to see it? And if you want to see it, do you want it to be serious or, you know, with a sprinkle of sarcasm in there, which I'm typically good at. And so today, that's what I did on my Instagram account, you know, and and I spend a lot of time to trying to respond individually to everybody, um, whether it's in comments or direct messages on, you know, Instagram, Facebook and Twitter. Those are the three channels that I use. I really try to spend the time to do that because you guys spend the time to communicate with me. And when I have the down and free time and I'm sitting in front of my computer or the TV and I need a break and I just need something that, you know, I guess would make me feel good because I'm not going to lie. When you get lots of likes and posts, it does make you feel good. 
But I also don't want to stay so focused to where like if I'm not getting the the interaction that I anticipate, that means like I'm not as loved or successful. And I, I think that's like a really fine line in this world. And this is just a general thing, right? This isn't just racing, but um, it, it is it is really cool to see it. And so I spend the time to you know, build relationships with fans and, and our supporters. And I'm, I've been very grateful over the years to organically, you know, build my, my brand and, um, and my viewership. And, uh, I enjoy social media. It's a great outlet. And so if you guys want to follow me, uh, it's either at Shay racing or Shay Holbrook, pretty easy to find on the interwebs. <laughs> well, I'm just very thankful that there are like, options because if there was a you suck button i think folks would be smashing that every time i post something but that's all good shay let's hope the world doesn't come to that though (laughs) no very true thanks for taking some time pal i hope folks have enjoyed just getting some very honest and i would say fairly awesome insights on what your journey has been and what it's become uh the positives and the negatives and also painting that very real picture that everything isn't perfect you haven't achieved everything you want to. You haven't figured everything out yet, but you know that and you're willing to share that and hopefully present that as the reality that maybe is not always offered up uh, in situations like yours. This is true. And I always think to myself, my family and I came up with this quote when we started racing and that's fear is a state of mind, yet will is an action taken. And I just think that if anybody in any you know, scenario that you're in business or athletics or whatever you might be going through, you know, willpower, pun intended, I guess, willpower can be so such a great thing for you. And, um, when you're knocked down time after time and you're feeling bad about yourself or your performance or whatever, just remember that, you know, fear is a state of mind and will is an action taken and you just got to go for it and you got to have the support to go for it. And luckily I've got that support. So thanks Marshall for having me on the show. It's always a pleasure talking to you. And, um, and it's always nice to talk to you because you, I can be so candid and open and, uh, you're a trustworthy dude. And, uh, it's been awesome. Thank you so much. Oh, you make a fat guy cry here. Shay, <laughs> hopefully, uh, more good stuff happens the rest of the year, my friend. And hopefully we can catch up, uh, sometime during the off season and, uh, maybe look back at your, your season as a whole. And that was Shay Holbrook. We'll definitely look forward to catching up with her after the W season completes to get her full, full thoughts on everything that has taken place. If you haven't already, please check out our somewhat new MarshallPruittPodcast.com site where all 600 plus episodes archived in a variety of pages, hopefully to make things easy to digest, is awaiting your interest. We also have a search function where you can type in whatever name and hopefully we will have something spread across open wheel sports cars, vintage, the sounds of motor racing, and all kinds of other silliness waiting for you to enjoy. Also, thank you again to our partners at Cooper Tires and the Justice Brothers. All right, I am Marshall Pruitt. This is the Marshall Pruitt Podcast. Thank you for listening. <laughs>